As we transition, I want to bring your attention to the book of Psalm, the 118th chapter. This psalm was often sung by the Hebrews who would leave their homes and go to Jerusalem on an annual pilgrimage that would take place around Passover. When we read this, this verse, if you can imagine, they, it wasn't, they didn't travel like we travel today. Today, if you want to book your trip, you go online and you find an air ticket of your choosing. And if you want to go, you go. You travel by yourself. And very rarely do you see people traveling in large groups today. Unless you're part of a school, your your church mission trip, or you don't see much of that. It's individuals wanting to get away and go to a website and, and book their tickets that way. But back then, when they had to go on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem during Passover, it was often entire villages coming together to travel together because there was safety in numbers. And in, as they were traveling, they would sing songs of pilgrimages. This was one of those songs. And they would echo back and forth, or, or they would sing together the entire the entire psalm, and I can hear them singing together this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And somebody else would say, For He is good. Let's try this here for a little bit. I want to divide the church into two. You have this whole side, and we have this whole side. This side will start off. And this sign will echo. In other words, I want you guys to, to read the first, we're going to do this verses 1 through 4. So whenever you the words or the phrase, for his mercy endures forever, it will be your responsibility to, to say, and you guys on this side will start off. Is that clear? So let's try that. Let's see, let's see how it sounds. Okay, thanks to the Lord for his Oh, come on. Does it really sound like God is good? You need, you need to come. Did you guys have breakfast? No? Okay. So, in order to make this work, you, uh, some, some people here had breakfast. Okay. Some people here will. The idea is that you are going to this place place where you are going to celebrate the coming of the Messiah. Let's keep that in mind. You're coming to visit the person who is going to liberate you, who is going to save you, right? This is the idea and the concept that when people were coming together and traveling to Jerusalem, that's what they would do. So let's try this again. You're going with the expectation to visit this place where eventually the Messiah or the Savior, or the King, whoever it would be, because at that moment in time, Jesus had not been born. All right, let's try this again. Oh, give thanks. Better. 
Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? See, we don't have this habit of song singing and then a response. It's not part of our culture. We do have songs. I mean, growing up, we had songs where we would sing hallelujah, 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 and then on the other side would stand up and say, praise ye the Lord, right? As little kids, we had these songs that would go in rounds, and, 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 and I remember singing these round songs as, as a middle schooler where the teacher had to tell us, to, hey, okay, settle down, that's enough. But that's how this psalm would build as these people would sing on their way to Jerusalem with the anticipation of that visit, this is what they would do. And it would go back and forth. And, it, and now we just did this, and it was probably, what, a minute? My, think about it. They traveled for, in some cases, days. This wasn't the only psalm that they sang. But they would be singing and building up that anticipation of, we're going to see the sacrificial offering that resembles our Savior. Turn with me, because we're going to see part of this psalm being quoted by Jesus. So turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going we're to concentrate on verses 28 through 44. There are two parts to this sermon. The first part, in order for us to understand what's going on, we need to understand the context. My previous church got to a point where I would say context is, and they would respond, everything. Right? You will hear that until the day I'm gone. And even after I'm left, you will remember this saying, context is everything. So what's happening here? We know this story to be the triumphal entry of Jesus. We know this story to be the time where Jesus is, being, is riding on a donkey inside Jerusalem and people are throwing their clothes their, off their backs so the donkey could ride over them, walk over them. But why are they doing this? Remember that this is the time Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem from Galilee. And according to the biblical narrative, Jesus has just gone through the town or city of Jericho. As he's going through Jericho and on his way, he encounters a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And he stops in front of the sycamore tree And he says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. And Zacchaeus is the reason why he's at that tree is because he's short. I can't relate. And so he comes down from that that tree, and Jesus says, I want to come to your house today. And and he's so excited that he says, if I've robbed anybody and I've stolen from anybody, I will repay them what? Fourfold. He's going to give back four times the amount. This, this, this dude must have had a pretty hefty bank account.
and the people, rather than being excited for what has just taken place, that this, this thief, this tax collector, the most hated individual, because one, he was a Jew just like them and would have to steal from his own family and friends in order to make an ends meet. Because his salary was, was based upon what he charged his friends and family. And rather than be happy that, uh, of his conversion, they're like, really? Look at this guy Look, talking about Jesus. He, he goes and he, he dines with sinners. He hangs out with these filthy people. And Jesus has words for them. In, 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 verse, in verse 9, he says, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is, he also is a son of Abraham. The son of, of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I mean, we see this and we, and we quote this text often, but don't miss what is happening around here. Is that now, verse 11 says, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Key on that. The reason why Jesus is telling this next parable is because they believe that the kingdom of God was coming right now. Right there and then. And the timing of it all happened to be the day, uh, 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 excuse me, Passover, where people are coming from all over the globe for this specific holiday that was instituted to remind them the day of deliverance from Egyptian bondage. And as we begin to see this overall picture, we see that Jesus is a whoa, 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 slow your roll. The kingdom of heaven is not coming immediately. And, he, and so he goes on and illustrates this with this parable. Oftentimes we look at this parable and, and talk about the, the talents that have been given and how we should invest them in order for us to be faithful this isn't the point of this lesson. It is one of the points, but not the main point. Jesus is driving home for them and says, Listen, yes, I get it. I have, you are going to receive talents. You are to work with these talents. But it's because I'm not establishing my kingdom right away. Not how you expect. Having this understanding of this scripture sets us up for what happens next. In the Bible, you have the triumphal... And can you, can you go back uh, for me, please, to the title slide? So you have this, I, this concept that after this has happened, it's almost like there's a shift. Jesus tells this, 
but he's continuing his journey on to Jerusalem. So Jericho is not far. I have not yet had the privilege to visit the Holy Land, as they call it. But looking at the map, Jericho is not far from Jerusalem. Verse 28 says this, When he had said this, so this is the parable, right? There is no break. Some of you have the title, the subtitle there, the, the triumphal entry. But in verse 20, he says, when he said this, this is a continuation from what he was saying before. This is the continuation of the parable of the minus. He went on ahead. In other words, he sped up towards Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet. This is that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt there tied, which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it to here. And anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has said so. He's in need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found, and just as he, he had said to them, but as they were loosening the colt, the owners of, of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, the, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of Mount Ol the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace and heaven and glory in the highest. I want to bring your attention to this part. Blessed are, those, are you who enter in God's name. From God's house, we bless you. God is, good. God is God. He has bathed us in light. Festin the shrine and the garlands. Hang colored banners above the altar. You are my God. And I thank you, O oh my God. I lift, your, I lift high your praise. Thank God. He is so good. His love never quits. This is from the Message Bible. However, if you really look at this, this is the, the, the same chapter we were just addressing. This is a psalm of pilgrimage. So don't lose sight of the fact that he goes over and he sends for a donkey to be called. This is one of the few times Jesus himself make sure that he is fulfilling a prophecy. Because Zechariah says that there would be a colt, that the Messiah would be riding on a colt. So Jesus takes care of this prophecy. And as he continues, okay, we see that the beginning part of this verse is quoted by the people. The people are not just coming to Jerusalem for the sake of the Passover, they now have their new king, 
riding on, on a donkey, and they're singing the songs of pilgrimages that they normally would were he not present. To me, this is fascinating. To give you an idea of what takes place, the Pharisees are looking on and they tell Jesus, Hey, quiet down your disciples. Now, Jesus had this sense of humor. I'm sure he did. Because I can just imagine him riding on a donkey and looking to them and saying, Nope, if they shut up, the rocks will cry out. exactly what he said but it's the next verses that really bring me in it says now as he drew near he saw the city and wept over it to give you an understanding like i said i've never been there so only everything that i know about the holy land is done through research this is a 3D depiction of the layout. And I know we have some of you who, who have been to the Holy Land. Bethpage and Bethany are about a mile out from Jerusalem. But as you can see, this is also at an incline. Do you see there's like a valley in between the right-hand side where there, right there, this is Bethany, right here, and Bethpage is closer. There's a valley that runs in between. That is called the Valley of Kindron. And in this valley, so as Jesus is coming up on the road, he is starting to look at the city, and as he's beginning to see the city, he begins to weep. While riding on that donkey. And he begins to think about all the things that have been done and said. And the words that come next is mind-boggling. It says, if you had known, if you had known, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for, for days will come upon when, when your enemies will rebuild an, in, an embankment around you, surround you and close you in every side, and level you and your children with you to the ground, and, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. See, Jesus is riding on a donkey in a festive environment. He's the only one, the, the, the Bible does not depict anybody else if they saw Jesus weeping. We know they did because Luke wrote about it. But no one admonishes Jesus. No one asked him, why are you weeping? No one asked him, Sir, why are you doing this? Everybody else is praising his name, but he is crying. 
N.T. Wright wrote this question. As we arrive in Jerusalem with Jesus, are we ready to sing a psalm of praise as long as it seems that Jesus to be doing what we want? In other words, do we come to church, do we read our Bible, and we are happily to sing his praises as long as Jesus does what I expect him to do for me? Because that's the context of the people at that time. They're praising his name because he, they see him as their Messiah. They praise his name because they see him as their king, but not how they envisioned it. Because these same people, in about five days' time, are going to be the same individuals yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. We want nothing to do with him. So understanding what is at stake and what's going on in the background highlights the, the deception, not the deception, but the, the tears that are flowing down from Jesus' face. So when he came, as the Message Bible puts it, when he came, when the city came into view, so as he's riding on that donkey, and the city is coming into, his, into the horizon. He's coming over that hill. He remembers everything that had, has happened. How they have killed their prophets. How have they have mistreated the poor. And the very thing that had brought them peace in the, back, in, in, in the, in the olden days are no longer. There's a key word in here at the end of verse 44. It says, verse 44 says, and, and level you and your children with you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You know, those word visitation here, is associated with a visit from a supervisor or a military officer. Because it's a, in the Greek language, language, it's a compound word. Where we also derive the word bishop from. But the implication is here that whenever a, a bishop, or a visitor in this case, would come, they would either praise for their battalion to be ready for the next war or next mission, or a supervisor is coming to oversee his laborers and will praise them for being ready, or he will scorn them for being lazy. When Jesus visited Jerusalem, is coming home for his last visit. He's coming with sadness because they were not ready for him. See, those tears are not just tears of humans. Reaction to a frustrating situation. These are tears from a God of love. Because he's so worried about his people being ready 
that with all the time he had given them, they had not caught on. They had not understood the true essence of a Messiah. And I would venture that some of us here today still don't. Some of us here today do. Because you have been given grace. And you recognize where that grace is from. But some of you are in need of a rebuke, but with the rebuke also comes grace. This morning I want to encourage you. If, you found, if Jesus was to come, and I want to ask you this question, if Jesus was to come to your house today, would he shed a tear? Would he, would he see a, ho- a household that is ready to receive him? Or would he... See Or would he shed a tear because he's disappointed at the time squandered of the opportunities missed, of the decisions that weren't made? Would you be ready for a visit from Jesus today? Would you be ready for him to to sit down with you and say, I'm right here. I pray that as, as, you, as you continue to think about this, this story is not yet over. The story does not end here. The story continues. Because Jesus goes on and he cleans the temple. And this is a sermon in of itself, but he cleans the temple And he begins to do something that most people would not do. He begins to teach. And people would come. Are you in need of Jesus' teaching in your heart today? Are you in need for Jesus to come close to you and say, Hey, my, my son, my daughter, I want to show you things that you have never thought of. Because even though this was five days before he died, he was teaching. And he was still showing people the way to the kingdom of heaven. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity as well. Are you willing to receive the Messiah in your heart? Are you willing to allow him to visit you? And yes, it doesn't matter if if you think you're ready or, or if you think you're not. If you're not, he's going to teach you. And if you are, he's going to sit and he's going to dine with you. Because as Revelation points out, he stands at the door and knocks. Because he's waiting to come in to have supper with us. I pray that as you think about Jesus' words, allow him to come in. Allow him to teach you. Allow yourself to learn from him that you may recognize him for who he is, not for who you expect him to be.